Hello, my name is Anna, and if you're into scary stories and creepy real-life happenings, then I think you will love my podcast. Let me tell you a scary story. Join me every week as I read to you stories of the paranormal that actually happen to ordinary people. These are things that can't be explained and don't always make much sense, and they are sure to intrigue and to give you the shivers. So join me on your favourite podcast listening platform and let me tell you a scary story. Welcome to episode 54, New York. Tonight we're going to take a ride on the ghost trains of Hellgate Bridge, stop off in Brooklyn for the Elaine Mercado haunting. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me as always is James. Good evening. Oh, good evening. What's up, my brother? How you doing? Not much, man. Doing good. Uh, Looking forward to this because I have known about this uh, haunting that we're going to cover tonight for a while. I actually own the book. Nice. The book's called The Grave's End. Nice. Um, But I'm also very curious to get into this ghost trains of Hellgate Bridge. It sounds like just a cool place to check out. Yeah. We'll see if you still we'll see if you you know see if you still think that way after you hear what you know some details. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get into that first. Why don't we? Okay, Chris, tonight we're going to take a ride on the Hellgate Bridge train, man. There is so much more evil history to this bridge than the title of this segment actually conveys. Dating back to pre-colonial days, the Hell's Gate area of the East River in New York has been the site of many atrocities, tragedies, and ghostly tales. Gotta yeah. love them ghosts. Fun man. stuff, man. Hellgate Bridge is a vast steel and stone construction that straddles the East River in New York City. The work of constructing the bridge was incredibly dangerous, as it is over 1,000 feet in height. Damn! And I did see it, and it is a sight to see. I am not joking. Yeah. That thing is crazy big. But amazingly, there were no fatalities during construction. And when the two arches of the Hell Bridge were put together, they only were off by like five sixteenths of an inch, man. The engineering in this thing was just fantastic. That is crazy, dude. That was great. It was completed on September 30th, 1916, and on March 9th, 1917, the first Pennsylvania Railroad train, the Federal Express service between Washington and Boston, went over the Hellgate Bridge for the first time, completing the first uninterrupted rail service between the two cities. Man, 1917, holy shit. That's all, That's Over awesome. 100 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like cross-country trains weren't that big a deal you know they had the old west steam engines and stuff yeah this was quite an accomplishment in this particular area I i'm just thinking that a hundred a hundred years uh, um what, what they had then versus what we have now is yep. just such a huge ginormous leap in technology and advancement i mean exactly you know now now we can talk to somebody in like you know like in australia yeah in like a second it's something else yeah but man i'm gonna tell you what the history of this thing is crazy and you're going to find out here real quick why it was so difficult mm, of a yeah. task so to say 
Now, long before its construction, the narrow tidal strait where the Hell's Gate Bridge now stands was witness to one of the world's worst shipwrecks in the history of the East River. The ship went down, taking all 140 of its crew and 800 million worth of treasure. Was that 800 million back then money or now money? I believe it's back then money. Oh, shit. I believe it was loaded with the king's gold. Oh, my God. 800 million back then is like... Yeah. The world now. Yeah. Well, Shit. Because, I mean, all the traveling, the French, the English, all these trips. Wow. But anyway, the site was also once used for very macabre purposes during the American Revolution when the British would tie American prisoners up to the waterlogged rocks and let the rising tide do away with them. You know, we do have a propensity for yes. being able to torture people to death. But, you know what? We inherited that crap. Yep. The haunted cries of these doomed souls are rumored to echo beneath the bridge even to this day. Now, that makes me want to go. Yeah. See, I wanted to go. Local legend also tells us that ghost trains carry the souls of these people who drowned or had their bodies dumped in the river. People who climb the bridge will often see strange lights from the trains that never actually arrive. Or, or spectral locomotives. I thought of Ghostbusters. Well, yeah. Spectral was... locomotive rocketed past the farm when my grandmother grew up. <laughs> you know, but I like that. And, but it was dragging cars full of lost souls. Ooh, creepy. And these souls range from mafia victims, you know, body dumps and stuff like that, to old Dutch explorers and suicide victims, unfortunately. There have been people that have jumped off the top of this thing. Interesting. Managed to get up high and... Oof, good bless. Okay. Well, perhaps their souls are trapped on these trains in a, you know, some kind of private hell, or maybe they're just simply catching a ride to the hereafter. There's no telling. Either way, the story is no less unnerving for its anachronisms. I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. The body of water to the west of the Astoria Park was named Helgut, which is often translated as meaning bright passage. This name is Germanic in origin, so it could also be translated as hellhole, which is a much more appropriate name for these hellish waters. So it can mean both good and bad. It can mean bright, good and bad. bright passages to heaven or a hellhole to hell, huh? Well, fire is bright. that's true it's a good point okay you know shit i I forgot about that go on (laughs) when the british came along and took over in 1654 this name was anglicized to hellgate of course whitey (laughs) you know this body of water was known for eddies and whirlpools what's an eddy i will explain okay cool there were depressions found in the bottom of the water which formed enormous cauldron-like formations known as pots this is like riptide stuff yeah you know like if you heard of riptides out in the out in the ocean and stuff like that you definitely you know oh man you know and and it's, it forms these like whirlpools and stuff so they're basically like little underwater tornadoes and they just Shit. grab you and suck you down yeah so there's gonna be a ton of bodies down there then well hint, that's what i'm saying hence wow. the body dumping because they don't come back up now, during the 1850s, an average of 1,000 ships a year were damaged or sunk but in the... <laughs> damn, that's a lot. That's a lot. In the Hellgate. By 1873, there was an estimated $1 million of property damage per year. Yipe. God bless. One story involves an 1879 expedition in which a British craft filled with 200 pounds of gold sank. Remnants of the ships were found, but not the gold. The, huh. gold, the gold was never gold found. Gold is lost. Hmm. And now, if you hear a train thundering over the tracks of Hellgate in the wee hours of the morning, and it stops in the middle of the bridge, it means that the train is letting off the ghosts of all the explorers who lost their lives in the water of Hellgate. 
Perhaps they were executed in the area for losing the king's gold and are doomed to search forever. Damn. You never know. Terrible purgatory. Yeah. During the 1870s and the 1880s, there was a decision that these waters had to be tamed. Now, this part I find quite incredible. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers blasted out the underwater rocks with explosions that were only surpassed by the magnitude of the atomic bomb at the time. At the time, roughly, I believe they've talked about there were like 20 tons of TNT used. Wow. Because these rocks, well, you mean, this place was incredibly dangerous. That's what I was talking about earlier and alluding to the fact that it took a hell of a lot to clear this crap. Wow. It was nuts. Except even these explosions were not enough to completely remove the rocks. That's crazy. The Army Corps had to hand remove the remains. Jeez. Now, during World War II, the bridge became essential for transporting weapons. Having received word of the importance of Hellgate Bridge, the Nazis sent in a team of saboteurs to the U.S. on U-boats to destroy the bridge. And yes, we had Nazis in America. Mm-hmm. Now, there were already some, and they were living here and turned, you know, turned against us, living, right. you know, a lot, especially in New Sleeper York. Sleeper cells and stuff. Especially in New York, yep. One group came ashore in the pre-dawn hours of June 13, 1942, near Amangenset. That's that's best pronunciation. Sounds good to me. (laughs) They were apprehended by John Cullen of the Coast Guard, but Cullen was unarmed, so he couldn't detain them. At first opportunity, he did report the sighting of the group to his superiors, and a manhunt for the group began. Now, the group got on the last train to Manhattan and found a hotel in Penn Station to spend the night. <laughs> so they actually got away temporarily. Now, the leader of the group, George Dash, I call him George Douche, <laughs> George Dash lost his nerve and turned himself in and his team. What a rat. Wow. <laughs> Douchey German. I mean, they got away, but he says, I give up. Yeah, over there. I demand Ivan Lawyer. The FBI arrested the rest of the group, and they were all later electrocuted. But George Dash, I love it. Well, hell, they're Nazis. And the war was already on. So, yeah, bye. Fuck them. They're lucky they didn't get put in front of a firing squad. But George Dash did get a commuted sentence and was sent back to Germany. However, he was now a traitor, and the Germans wouldn't take him back. Of course. He spent the rest of his years living in the American side of the Berlin Wall until it was knocked down in 1989. And George Dash died at the age of eighty, <laughs> at the age of eighty nine in nineteen ninety two. Nice, all these damn numbers at me. Nice long knife. Uh, exactly. Nice long life for a Nazi, you know. Exactly. Now, a recent article in the New York Times on the Hellgate Bridge, quoting historian resident Antonio Maloney. <laughs> I had to do that, you know. Mentioned that at the zombies attack, he's going to the Hellgate. Having quasi legally been inside the base of the Stone Pier, he says it looks like an old castle. There's a room that is seven, eight stories high, and the view is fantastic. Whoa. Yeah, he's probably right. Quasi-legally? Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Well, apparently he got in there with permission, but I don't know if you're even supposed to go. Okay. I, as far as I know. I didn't see, I couldn't find anything on permissions of going in and out. But you know, he is probably right. If human beings were to be wiped out in an apocalypse, and no one remained to service or maintain the bridges and buildings... Most structures would rust, rot, or collapse within 100 to 300 years. You know, you've seen those shows where they say Afterman or something like that. Or Walking Dead. The Hellgate Bridge, however, would last for more than 1,000 years, experts say. And I am sure the trains will keep running, the ghosts will keep searching for the gold, and the tormented will never find peace. Ain't that a bitch? That is insane. So it's a structure that's going to last for 1,000 years. 
but it also has trains of the dead that come yeah. through there. Yeah. It also had whirlpools that sucked people down. Yes. Dude, this place sounds like a Bermuda Triangle type of place, man. Holy <laughs> shit. Pretty evil. Wow, that was cool. And I'd never heard of it. I never heard of it either. I didn't know that a thing existed in New York. I'm sure the New Yorkers know about it, but we don't. No. So, but now hopefully our listening audience does wow, too. Wow, great story, dude. That had everything. Had, that was cool, wasn't it? Everything. It had ghosts. It had... It had uh, zombies. It had uh, whirlpools. It had, had inhumane executions. Had Nazis mob, and mafia. Mafia killings, yeah. And it, it didn't detail any of that stuff, but it definitely, you know, it, it detailed how the colonials would be drowned like rats. Yeah. You know, but it didn't say anything about the mafia. But they just said they drop bodies off the bridge. Well, yeah, you would you would assume because, well, because first of, of all, the, it's New York. The, and the pots that are rotating and suck the bodies down and they never find them because nobody's going to go diving down there looking for it. Right. And I mean, what is, I mean, the, the mafia and not in, in New York was, was you know, all, all there all the time. And you don't cross them anyway. You see something, you walk away. <laughs> right. Quickly. You're, oh, you dump it in the body, you go ahead, you do you, you enjoy that. Oh, you saw. Nope. You're going to have to join him. Oh come on, man! Don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a super cool story, man. That was that was great. I'm digging it. Nice, man. Well, let's take a little break real quick, and then we'll come back with the uh, with the Brooklyn Haunting. Yes, sir. Okay, so today we're going to cover the Brooklyn haunting of Erlaine Mercado. The main two sources of this story are going to come from her book, Graves End, uh, which is her entire story of finding the house, moving into the house, things they had happen, and as well as the season two, episode two of Paranormal Witness. Nice. I think we did one for the werewolf one too, right? I think that was Paranormal Witness as well. So I think we did... Another paranormal witness episode with the with the main werewolves, I think. I think so. Anyway, it's a good, it's a good show. Okay. But yeah, so that that's where most actually all this information is coming from the book and that episode. But it started in the fall of 1982, as all great things do. Of course, the 80s, man. Love the 80s. They rock. Elaine Mercado found what she thought was one hell of a good deal on a new house for her and her family. Family consisted of her, her husband, and their two daughters. Yeah. Good deal on a house. Red flag. Always. Every Always single time. Always single time. Yeah. And over the course of the next 14 years, they would encounter uh, many spirits and have lots of occurrences in this house. Nice. So uh, at the time, though, they were currently living in a three-room apartment, which included her husband and her two daughters. Uh, so it was three rooms, four people. It was cramped. Yeah. Not only that, but their super was an asshole. Now, when they say when they say three room apartment, they mean like the living slash kitchen area, a bathroom, and, and a, a bedroom, bedroom or something like that. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean there's three bedrooms and a living room and a kitchen and all that. No, no, no. So just to, to clarify, that. yeah, and their, their super was was an asshole. So especially in New York City, was very tight with the with the heat. So they yes. they rarely had heat in their house. And in New York, you have to have heat. Yes, it's cold as hell. Yes, it is as cold as the Hellgate Bridge. Yes, it anyway. Is. 
<laughs> but they'd been looking for a home for over a year and had almost given up when they found a listing for a house that had been on the market for two years, a house that no one else had actually shown them. Another red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if no one's showing it to you, if even if it's in your price range or below your price range, they ain't showing it to you and it's been on the market for a while, you're getting a good deal for a reason. Uh, and best of all, the house was only 10 blocks from their current place. So very short move, which is cool. actually in the plus. Put that in the plus category. Yeah. Because I hate moving for long distances. Oh, no thank It you. sucks. The house was a big old three-story house, whitish gray on the outside with dark green trim, and had a creepy tree that leaned toward the house with all of its branches stretching out towards it, almost like it was holding the house. Yes. Poltergeist exactly tree. Exactly what I thought oh, when I... Oh, God I, almighty. Oldest. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is there a clown? No clowns. No oh, clowns. No. Thank you. That's for our other show. Upon meeting the current owners of the house, who were a middle-aged couple, they were told the house only had one problem. It's not the problem you think it is, though. Not the ghost. No. Actually, it turns out there was an elderly couple who lived downstairs and refused to leave. <laughs> yeah. I love it. The couple turned out to be the owner's uncle and aunt who lived in the downstairs apartment. They had lived in the house for over 40 years and refused to leave. We ain't going nowhere, That's you exactly bastards. what they were like, yeah. They apparently had um, several people come look at the house, and every time they came look at the house, the, the uncle would pretty much scare him away. Oh, boy. Because he didn't, he didn't want to leave. Now, the owners explained that the uncle had sold in the house many years ago and would pay rent for the apartment they lived in right now. But the owners were grown, and their kids were all grown, and had gone and, and, and were living elsewhere. And so he and his wife wanted, wanted to go retire to Florida. Well, of course. You know, get out of the, the, the cold city, go to the Sunshine State. Yep. Uh, and, and get eaten by a shark or something. That's it. The American dream. They were having a hard time selling the place as their uncle was, would scare off every prospect, which I mentioned earlier. However, once Elaine and her family met the uncle and, and aunt and they toured the downstairs apartment, they realized the house may need more work than they thought and began to have second thoughts. So it's sort of a money pit situation. Yeah. The, I don't know. Great movie with Tom Hanks. Go watch it. Yeah. But about a month later, the realtor called them and said, hey, the owners have reduced the price for the house further, another red flag, and gave them his assurances that the old couple would leave within a reasonable amount of time. So they said, hell yeah, let's Give do it. it to me. Give it to me. But they ran into some issues. So Don't the, they always? Yeah. In the winter of 82, they signed the paperwork and the house was theirs. However, they couldn't move in that winter. Uh-oh. The husband moved his at-home business into the upper two floors and would work on renovating as much as they could, but they needed the house empty to renovate the whole thing. But gotcha. The, the, old, the elderly couple was still there. Yes. The elderly couple stated that they were actively looking for an apartment, but it would take a while. They wouldn't find a new place for 18 months. Ouch. So all the while this is going on, the Mercado family is still living in their tiny heat-lacking apartment, mm. paying rent on that apartment, Paying for the new mortgage. The dude must be rich. I'm sorry, because New York's fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, outrageously expensive. And you're paying for an apartment and oh no, a they're, mortgage? They're not rich. They're not rich. They're, they're living dime to dime. Ugh, penny to penny. I guess so. But they're Man. also not receiving any rent from the, from the elderly couple in the apartment. Wow. So this starts to put a strain on the family, of course, because they have two they have apartment, uh, rent apartment and mortgage are paying for and not getting anything coming in. Mm. You know, the, the husband's business was starting to, to pick up. So that's how they were able to afford both these places. But they were still, you know, living penny to penny. But once the couple finally moved in in the winter of 84, that's when the haunting started. Within the first few days after moving in, Elaine got the feeling of being watched all the time. 
She goes on to say that she's always been a disbeliever in the supernatural, so she never attributed any of this to ghosts. Pervs. <laughs> a lot of pervs in New York. Papers, yeah. Yeah. One of her daughters then began hearing strange noises from inside their bathroom hamper, a clawing or scratching noise like a rat. Mm. Probably was a rat. It's New York. Yeah. Pizza rat, probably. One daughter, Karen, said she saw her sister, Christine, go into the bedroom on the back of the house, and when she ran in after her, there was nobody there. A few days later, Karen saw Christine again, this time standing on the chair beside her bed. She walked in and started talking with Christine for a bit before the real Christine came walking into the room. Oh, hell no. When she turned back around, there was no one in the chair. Damn. No place seemed more eerie than a set of small doors in the basement laundry room. These doors were five feet off the ground and led to the small room full of dirt and soon became, of course, known as Dirt Room. Why? It was only about two and a half feet high, so you had to crawl in to get there, to get in there. Good Lord. They don't know why it was there. No one knows why it was there. They could never find out what, what the purpose of the room was. It was maybe, so it was two feet high, maybe about 10 feet long and about four feet wide. So not very big. Well, it's also New York. You need a place to bury the bodies. It, it's a very good John Wayne Gacy uh, yeah. um, crawl space. Yeah, Yuck. for sure. Mm -hmm. So as siblings do, they dared each other going as far as they could and were reprehended for it. <laughs> One day while doing dishes, Elaine heard footsteps coming from the stairs. When she approached, she didn't see anyone, but she still heard the steps coming down the stairs. Yipe. She went back to the kitchen, um, and when she was in there, she heard the door to the basement behind her open up, and the footsteps ran down the stairs again with no one in sight. At different times, both Christine and Elaine would hear their names being called from the basement along with maniacal laughter. Oh, God. <laughs> and they're still staying. This is getting, you know, white people. <laughs> I'm Get sorry. Out. Yes, white people. Get Ghosts in the house, they stay in the house. Get out. Too bad That's we can't right. stay. That's right. Eddie Murphy had it right. One night, Elaine woke up to immense pressure being pressed upon her. Try as she might, she couldn't scream for help but until she finally woke up. Now, this is very similar to the old hag syndrome. Yes. Uh, sleep paralysis, which yeah. I have quite a bit. Yeesh. This would happen so often that most nights she never went back to sleep. And this was about the time that she was working as a nurse, so she would have to be up at 7 to go to work. So oh, she, man. She wouldn't sleep and then go work it's in the hospital. Not good. Mm -mm. Another night, Elaine heard her daughter call out to her, and when she entered the room, she witnessed the covers being pulled off her daughter's bed by an unseen force. Eventually, Karen moved from the basement to a room in the attic, and of course, there was yet another small door that led to another room. Of course, let's move from a regular room to a creepy-ass attic. Well, the basement's creepy as it is, so let's move from, from a lower creepy <sighs> to an upper creepy. Yeah, oh lord. In that room, they would find items from the previous owners from the 1950s, including a wedding dress. The wedding dress had been folded and wrapped in a bundle of newspapers. They eventually threw it out as uh, they had no use for it. It was apparently a super small, super petite dress, um, and it just gave Elaine the heebie-jeebies, so, well, yeah, so she yeah. threw it out. I'd have taken that to like a secondhand or an antique store. You might be able to get something for old stuff like that. You know, probably now you would have, but maybe back in the 80s it wasn't a big deal. I guess not. Years later, while watching a movie, Elaine and her daughters once again heard the voice calling to Christine again. They were unable to locate the source of the voice in the house, and eventually it subsided. Another night, Christine walked out of her room, and she was stopped at the top of the staircase when she saw what she thought was her mom sitting on a step halfway down. 
She called out to her to see if she was okay and got no response. When the figure started to finally move towards her, she saw it wasn't her mom, but in fact a small woman in the wedding dress they had found in the dirt room. She ran to get her mom, and when they came back, the lady on the stairs was gone. Of course she was. Yeah, that they don't ghosts don't hang around. That's some straight horror movie stuff. Yes, a, it is. A, a small person in a dress. That's that. Yeah, that's this horrible. is very cool though. I like this. During a Halloween party not long after, Elaine came upon one of her coworkers standing at the top of the stairs to the basement, staring down into it. Her coworker told her that her house is haunted and that she saw the little lady in a wedding dress in the basement. In the basement. In the basement. That night, the sisters slept together in the same bed when Christine was awoken by a feeling in the room. She looked over at Karen and saw a shadow figure leaning over her, staring at Karen. Then she did what we all do in those situations when something scary is happening to somebody else in the room. She turned around and went back to sleep and hoped it didn't kill us. <laughs> That's great. Well, they got their monster-proof sheets, right? Exactly. See, the kids got to have their monster-proof sheets. What she was figuring was that the, the shadow figure was was focused on Karen. Mm -hmm. So if I turn around, go to sleep, and put my cover over my head, I'll be safe. It'll get Karen. Sorry, Karen. But... I'm safe. So I, I ain't going to rat the ghost out. Nope. If you want Karen, you go ahead. Take Just her. leave go me ahead. alone. Yeah. Leave I'm, me. I'm, exactly. I'm tired. I'm tired. I need to go to sleep. But the shadow figure then moved to Elaine's room where it attacked her by pressing down on her entire body and refused to let her go. Eventually, she was able to wake up and recall that the present felt like a female who was very pissed off. Mm. Christine told her mom that she also saw a morose 1950s man with a ducktail haircut. I can't help it. Look at this morose motherfucker right here. <laughs> Other encounters included a violent flying hair clip, balls of light flying through their living room as they watched TV, and an invisible force that occasionally groped Elaine's breasts and thighs. Then one day, while talking with one of her neighbors, she learned that a very young couple had lived in the house, and shortly after getting married, the wife had had a heart attack fell and hit her head on the heater unit and died in the attic. Her neighbor described her as a very petite woman, the very same one they were seeing in the house. Uh-oh. Finally, after having enough, she called in the professionals, a parapsychologist and a medium, into the house to cleanse it. The medium crawled into the dirt room and was heard to say, you are dead, you must go, over and over. Eventually, uh, the... Go ahead. Uh, I can't help it. What? This is New York. Uh -huh. Finally called the Ghostbusters. Oh, this that's is right. awesome. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Who are you going to call? The, the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. That's, that's right. right. And she did. That's right. Called uh, uh, Dr. Ray Stance. Doc and Peter Bankman. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, eventually, the parapsychologist, unfortunately not Dr. Stance, and the medium claimed to have cleared five restless 19th century Dutch spirits and two dogs, as well as the ghost of two newlyweds who had died in the 50s. Now, after the cleansing, the, ha the haunting subsided, the family still live in the house in Brooklyn, and to this day, one bedroom gives off occasional banging noises. But family members no longer experience the balls of light, shadow people, nor the sensation of being held down against their will. Well, that's actually very good. I'm glad for them, but, man, I love paranormal stuff. That's a, that's, that's a rare happy ending in those I'm cases. Digging it. Yeah. Most time, people, like, people hearing these stories have moved out of the house. And it, sometimes it even follows them. Yeah, or when the when the medium comes in to do a cleansing, it doesn't work. Exactly. So the fact that they're still living there, it actually worked. That that's a rare occasion of a happy ending. That is for very these cool. Though. Yeah, good story, dude. Yeah, so I thought so. I thought it was a pretty interesting story. The book is great. Uh, there's obviously 
the book covers 14 years that they were there. Well, it's not a large book. It's got quite a bit in there. So obviously we're not going to cover all of that. So I encourage a uh, listener to go and check out the book, yes. read the book. You'll get a whole lot more stuff that went on. This was just a small sampling of all the shit that went on in the 14 years they were there. Crazy. There's a lot that happened there. Yeah. So and go check funny, it out. And that's what's funny. It's 14 years. It took them 14 years to finally say, we need to call somebody. Yep. But then again, a lot of people were apprehensive because they didn't want to be considered nuts. You right. know, people had a problem with being, you know, thinking, hey, man, these people are going to think I'm whack jobs. You know, they're not going to believe me and all that. And as paranormal investigators, you and I both know that if you hear somebody tell you a story, everybody's got a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a story oh, yeah. somewhere, somewhere. They just, it just depends on who wants to tell you and who doesn't. So I'm glad for them that they got the help they required and they still enjoy, now they get to enjoy their home. But. Yeah. And it was not without their 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 sacrifices, because, again, I, I didn't put a bunch in here. But I mean, the when they first moved in, at some point, the the husband she was with at the time, they ended up getting divorced. So and then, and then she met someone new and got married. Um, that, that was left out. But that's also part of it, because like the husband was what didn't believe in. And the first husband didn't believe in the ghost and it caused a strain on their relationships. They had. They had real life things going on in addition to all the ghost things, which is probably why it took them so long to actually, I guess, call someone in to to come and help them because mm. they, they had real life things going on. She was, yeah. you know, at first going to school to get her get her nursing degree and she became a nurse and she has two kids and she had a, a marital problems. So, you know, sometimes as much as we want to get help for the paranormal, sometimes real life just kind of gets in the way. Yeah. You know. Yep. But yeah, so that's the. The Brooklyn Haunting, um, great story. Again, go check out the book. It's called Graves End. Very cool. You can find it on Amazon. Go check it out. Uh, don't forget why you're doing that. Go give us some ratings and reviews, please. Yes. Yeah. Ratings and reviews. Uh, go to. Our, we also have a Patreon page. Patreon. Patreon. I call. I don't like to say page. He, he's very official. He's Patreon. Patreon. Uh, it's www.patreon.com <laughs> forward, forward slash state of fear. We have one level and one level only $7 and you get access to everything. Our bloopers, which God knows there's plenty of those, uh, our special episodes. We actually ha- do some reviews of some ghost shows and things like that. All this extra material add, you know, everything's up there. Uh, go check it out. Seven bucks. If you don't like it, jump off. Definitely go again. Bucks, go it, rate and review us. Rate and review. Rate and review. Appreciate that. Um, we've also had a bunch of uh, uh, comments on our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. Yes, all the episodes are on there. Absolutely. Uh, we've been great comments from people on there who um, uh, great comments from people who have been to these places that we're talking about, and we definitely appreciate it. We, we really love those. Do. I love hearing people's stories about these places that initially we had never heard of exactly and now we're hearing about people who've actually been there i love it so keep them coming very cool you know uh, adam but but don't just do it on youtube do it on the apple do it on the spotify wherever you can leave us those comments as well you bet now i did put a video out on our social media but i do want to also please remind our lovely listeners that we are looking for personal stories uh if you've witnessed a crime if you have had a ghost encounter you've seen a bigfoot ufo whatever the case may be if you've got a crazy story we want to hear it so go ahead and re- uh, write your story down and email it to us at state of fear podcast at gmail.com and we will get it on the air all right man well we're headed off to the great state of new hampshire next what do you say we uh, hop in the car and head out over there amen brother let's get all right we'll see y'all in new hampshire